Porsche 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Welcome to the 49er Faithful UK show. Well, we did warn you it would be a roller coaster, and week two certainly lived up to the 49er Faithful fan experience we've come to know and possibly love. What started with a likely season-ending injury to Trey Lance ended with a comfortable beatdown of the Seahawks. Here to help make some sense of it all, it's Paul Hope. Hi, everyone. And Naji Kawar. Hello, everyone. Uh, Lee is uh, unfortunately unable to join us as he's enjoying the presidential birthday. So happy birthday, Lee. Um, I'm assured it's got nothing to do with the weekend get-together at the Candlestick Inn. I'm sure that's pure, <laughs> pure coincidence. Uh, so on to game, only one place to start, really, and that's Trey's injury. Uh, broken leg and ligament damage, that will more than likely mean the end of Trey for this season. The burning topic, unfortunately, amongst conversation and Twitter seems to be, is this the inevitable result of Kyle's play-calling and game designs? What do you think, Naji? I... <laughs> I don't think it should even be a question. And I'm really annoyed when I see fans of the same team that are supposed to be on the same boat cheering for whoever's in the center, whoever's wearing our colors, having full-blown arguments to try and decide who is right, whether it's Kyle's fault, whether it's Trey's fault, whether it's the Tuff's fault, whether it's the defender's fault, or whatever it is that you can think of. Um, While I understand why people that suffer a loss, because I think that's what we can call it, will look to uh, alleviate some of the, the pain that they feel and the, ang- the anger and you know all of that by trying to shift blame and therefore causality to someone or something. I don't understand it. This was no one's fault. Um, it just it happens. It's completely out of everybody's control. And while, yes, it might make you feel better inside to say, oh, it was Kyle's fault, or oh, it was Trey's fault, he should have slid, he shouldn't run, run this. It, A, it doesn't change the fact that Trey's ankle is still broken and it's not going to make it heal faster. And two, doesn't change the fact that it, it could have not happened as well. This is something that just happens. It, it's inevitable. It, it's, a, it's a contact sport. And he could run this play a million times and he will never break his leg. Unfortunately, that day, at that moment, with those circumstances, it happened to broke his leg. And I am terribly, and I feel really sorry for him. Uh, I thought he had a really good start. Um, and because of his career, the way it goes, that's my only problem with all of this is that now he's going to be next year, three years removed from playing proper football, apart from, you know, three and a half game or three and, and a quarter game. And that's the only thing I can think of. Um, uh, the only th- the other thing I think of now is how do I sh- how do we shift nor lose a step in our what we want to be is the Super Bowl, uh, and that's with Jimmy, uh, which turns out to be maybe the greatest move uh, we- we've ever done to keep him because we know he's- we know what he can do. Um, but yeah, in terms of whose fault it is, it's no one's fault, uh, absolutely no one's. Um, stop fighting between each other, rally together, take this opportunity to support your team and support the people on the team. Wish Trey a good recovery and as fast as he possibly can uh, so he can hit the ground running uh, when he comes back. And and that's it. And then we go against the Broncos. That's all we can do. We're fans of a team. Even if, you know, even say you were right and it was Kyle's fault. 
what say in it does does it do to the team or to you or to your mates or to all the friends around you? Absolutely nothing. Um, get together, support the team, and let's go and beat Russell Wilson. That's all that matters right now. Paul, you yeah, agree with Najee? I do agree with Najee Gareth. Um, we were chatting earlier in the, our podcast group that we've got, and Jordan Elliott is someone that I respect, someone that I watch. And he put a tweet out, Gareth, which said that anyone wanting to blame Kyle Shanahan for Trey Lance's injury, nobody had those objections, Najee, when Shanahan dialed the exact same call, um, the counter bash, just two players prior, when Debo ran for 51 yards. There's that epic photo of about 10 Seahawks players chasing him down. And like Najee said, Gareth, it's a contact sport for me. Kyle Shanahan did nothing wrong. We all went into this season excited to see Trey Lance expand the offence to go 11 on 11. And a big part of that, Gareth, was Trey using his legs. And yes, the the run game, we were developing it quite nicely. I say that loosely, Gareth, because up at the candlestick in, we missed the first 10 minutes of the game thanks to Sky Sports. You've probably seen the tweets. I don't normally get involved in those kind of tweets, but it was really frustrating mm. that we couldn't put Game Pass on. And we literally missed the first drive. We missed the first 10 minutes of the game. So then we got the coverage back and then Trey went down injured yeah. and it was just like oh. a sucker punch. And like you said, Najee, for me, Gareth, I'm glad I was at the candlestick in because when the injury happened, I kind of went into a bit of a shock and I was on social media and I was seeing all the stuff come through, Najee. So I imposed a social media ban on myself. I put my phone down and I stayed off Twitter for pretty much 24 hours because I didn't want to see it, Gareth. But to answer your original question, no, I don't think Kyle Shanahan did anything wrong. So I'm really glad that we've started the show with Nadji saying that. What about you? Is this where you're coming in? Disagree with me, Nadji? <laughs> no, uh, not at all. Uh, you know, players get injured all the time. If, uh, you know, if it's Fred Warner blitzing and he gets injured on that play, is it suddenly D'Amico Ryan's fault for calling the blitz at that time that he got yeah. injured on? Or, uh, you know, a, a, a player has a difficult route to run and, and twists an ankle. Uh, I I don't know. It seems to sort of cherry pick um, reasons. Pe- people, I think it's it's we have got a quite a polarized fan base, and I think there's the people who who, to be honest, want to see the back of Kyle. Will will use this and and any other poor poor play calling as a reason to say Kyle should go. Um, and, and Kyle supporters perhaps think of that differently. Um, it, it is what Nadji said. We seem to have got this strange sort of split in the fan base now where where we seem to almost be two teams. Um, the secret is there's Trey Lance and Jimmy G are both on the same team, the team we're supposed to support. And I, I don't think that there's much value in the fan base seeming to pick sides. And it's the same, either you, either you love or hate Jimmy or you love and hate Kyle. Um, hopefully what we'll try and do this season is evaluate both Kyle and and Jimmy going forward based on the strength of their performances. Um, I did think that there may be a, a moment where this might kind of unite the fan base because uh, uh, it certainly put to bed any of the argument between should Jimmy take over from Trey if he struggles. So, so that's been put to bed. Um, but unfortunately, I still seem to think that there's going to be if Jimmy has a bad game and people are critical of that, they're just going to be Jimmy haters rather than wanting to support the team, but also evaluating what we actually see on the field. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably enough said of that. I think, as as Nadji has said, uh, we've got the Broncos next week, and that's the only thing that really, really matters. You can read lots if you want to talk about the long-term implications for Trey Lance's development. Uh, I think all of that stuff can wait till the end of the season. 
um, because all that really matters now is the games start coming at you fast, one every weekend for the next, what, seven weeks. Um, yep. And that's that's really what we need to focus on. Yep. So a 27-7 to 7, uh, win to start the home schedule in a game where the Seahawks' mighty offence was held scoreless. Jimmy's first game of the season coming in for spot cover on Trey Lance. What did we make of Jimmy and perhaps the passing game as a whole? Uh, Paul, we'll start with you. I thought we weren't going to analyse Jimmy's performance, Gareth. So you, you've, you've thrown me uh, a bit of a, a curveball there. I mean, personally for me, I think Jimmy came in. He did well. He, you know, the touchdown to Rostowelli, I quite enjoyed that. I liked that he rushed one in as well. Um, purely Nagy because the Seahawks have been my nemesis since I became in the NFL. So the fact that we're sat here, Gareth, 27 mm. to 7, and the fact they only scored their seven off a blooming special teams blocked bloody field goal and he ran it in. <laughs> um, just going back to your previous point, we as 49ers fans, Gareth, our fan base is awesome. I, I, I speak to other fans and they say that we know so much about our team. We're emotionally invested in our team. And you're right. I am hoping that it's taken away that question. Now, Jimmy's QB1. I was lucky enough to be sat with Neil Watson, candlestick in. Neil had 54. He had all pro Fred on Nadji. Um, and he was <coughs> devastated when Trey went down. So anyone who's seen some of the posts that Neil has, has posted the last few days, it's tongue in cheek, but he was devastated that Trey went down. As soon as Jimmy come in, all of us sat together. We, we were fully behind him, Gareth. I think it was a very Jimmy Garoppolo-esque performance is what I'm going to say before I hand over to Nadji. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's not much to, uh, <laughs> to discover here. We are... Very used to what we saw on on Sunday. Some good passes, some horrible ones. Um, I enjoyed the touchdown to Dwelly, but if he doesn't hit that, uh, mm -hmm. I think I might be able to hit Dwelly. And he's, he was that wide open. But yeah, more more of the same. Where the defense all has to do, and and we saw it as soon as he came in, the running game kind of disappeared because uh, the defense know what to do. Um, this is where we've been for the past five years. You stack the box and you let that big fella in the middle, I forgot his name now, uh, have a monster game. That Their nose tackle played really, really well. Destroy our run game pretty much on top of obviously the injuries that we'll, we'll talk about later. And then you put it all on, on Jimmy's shoulder and he's going to have some good throws. And, then, you know, the throw to Rere McLeod on the sideline uh, with anticipation and he catches it. Perfect, perfect ball placement is exactly what he can do. And then he throws some floaters where, you know, if IU catches that ball, he probably gets killed and, you know, those hospital balls that we've seen. But to me, what the biggest difference that I saw is how the, the offense operates and goes down the field. I've highlighted here on the, on the team stats. We went six for 15 on third down. And if you look at a stat like this, um, you know, converting 50% of your, of your third down doesn't usually win you the game by 20 points. But we constantly, and again, on further and long, further nine, further eight, further and seven, because we run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, and then that's and we can talk about the play calling in a bit when we talk about Kyle, but I thought that's what just that's just what Jimmy gave, gives us. Now the good point on this is that he's at no training camp, he's at surgery in March, he's you know rehabbing and coming back from quite a big injury on his shoulder, and obviously wasn't expecting to play. Uh, so soon in the game on the, on the second drive of the game so he came in cold and he still delivered a semi-decent you know kind of jimmy performance we didn't see a stupid pick which could have you know thrown the game into complete shambles you know when 
we were, I think it was 20 to seven at one point and, uh, and we got the ball back really deep in our end. It's, if you throw the pick there and it's a pick six or something, it's 20 to 14 and then God knows where the game can go from there. Um, he didn't do that, which is obviously what we want him to do. And then, yeah, you know, 13 of 21 for 154. It's not Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes, but. You know, when when the game was that easy, I think he might have not needed it. Let's see what a week of training camp in the center with the ones and then get back into his groove that he hasn't been in for, you know, since January, really. Um, see what he can do, but more of Jimmy, isn't it? Uh, let's get ready to talk about it. Bad Jimmy, good Jimmy again for, for another 16 games. I just I just hope that, you know, the NFL has thrown up the, the ultimate fairy tale redemption story, really, yeah, for because... Jimmy. So... I'm I'm all on Jimmy taking the advantage of the opportunity he's been given, um, and as the season plays out, we'll we'll wait and see what Jimmy makes of that. Sorry, Paul, you were going to leap in. I was just going to say, Gareth, there's some good news. There's a lot of us with ten jerseys that can suddenly <laughs> put that jersey back into rotation. So, um, and, and to be to be fair, I thought we'd just touch upon the Jimmy before we move on. You see how the offensive line, you saw how the offensive players reacted to Jimmy coming back in the huddle. And it seemed to galvanise, and I'm not trying to take away from Trey Lance. I think us three have been very measured with the whole transition. But I did think, Gareth, it was nice to see the team fully behind Jimmy. Um, There were some comments afterwards that I think were taken out of context with Armstead and some of the others. But like you said, Gareth, if we're going to be sat here this time next year and we've had the ultimate redemption story, I'm not going to be complaining, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the team reacted to it, but we we've seen the team react to to losing a, a guy for a season-ending injury before, and I think part of it was was that. I think you're right. Some people have tried to read a bit too much into uh, uh, the the demeanour of the team with yeah. Jimmy to go from Trey Lance, but I um, other people have said that the locker room was was fairly sombre for a divisional game win. Yeah. Um, at the end of it, with people asking asking about Trey, so, so yeah, let's not lead too much, read too much into that. Uh, I thought I thought the run game was uh, obviously vastly improved from the from the Bears game. I thought Jeff Wilson looked reasonably good, um, and he was supported by some good O line play from our young starters in Banks and Burford, who I think massively improved, you know, weather permitting from the from the Bears game, and seemed to make a much better job of of blocking at that second level. And turning the three and four yard runs into the kind of eight nine yard runs that we've been used to seeing, what did uh, what did you make of the run game, uh, Nagy and Jeff Wilson, and a, and a debut for Tui and Davis Price? Yeah, I completely agree. I thought uh, it starts up front, doesn't it? Uh, and I think Buffett, uh, Brendel uh, had a good game. I thought Banks had a very good game. Now. It's the Seahawks. I think their D-line, uh, apart from... Uh, I'm going to have to look up his name because uh, he really had a good game. What's, what was Woods. his name? Woods. Woods, that's it. That's it. LSU guy. Um, apart from him, I, I, they don't have much. And we should have dominated the run. And so, same as a kind of a preseason game where... You know, you see your unknown player exploding on the scene because he's, he's playing against the three and the four. I, I want to see this again, again against a very good D-line. But it's better than last week, even though last week was an absolute monsoon and it was probably very hard to play in, which is also hard to read into. But yeah, I thought the interior line was much, much better. Trent was much better. McGlinchey was much better. And it helped a lot. And I thought Wilson was a lot more decisive than he was 
uh, when he came in uh, against the Bears. A, a little more, plant your foot and just go. Just trust that the block is going to be here. I think having Arman Crush, I think everybody loves Debo running the, what was it, 37 yards or something. Absolutely insane run. Uh, that he was dead in the woods in the backfield and managed to juke a guy and then go and then almost get a touchdown but run out of steam. I think that helps a lot when when people are trying to defend us. But yeah, I thought Jeff Wilson Jr. played really well. Uh, at the very least, much better than he did last week. Very happy about TDP, but unfortunately, uh, the, the dreaded high handcuff sprain has risen his ugly head ahead again. So we're not going to see him for another six weeks or so. Uh, but he was promising some very, very good runs, almost ran a few for t- for a touchdown. Um, and then when he left, he actually played on the eye ankle the whole game, and that's why we didn't see Jordan Mason. But now I think Paul pulls a, you know, and my bold prediction of Jordan Mason being a starting uh, running back is, is going to happen very soon. But um, that's that's two already, and it's, it just seems to be the theme of our team. Every year we lose one or two or three or four uh, running backs and luckily for us they're all good uh, but it is alarming how many are high ankle sprain we've seen in our backfield what did you make of it Gareth happy with the run game yeah as I, as I said I thought it was improved I thought uh, angry Jeff um, made some made some good runs uh, thought again Tyrion Davis Price accounted for, uh, for himself well uh, I don't think it comes across at sort of 2.5 yards Average per carry, um, but I think you. No, there was a, a there was a there's a few plays where they get blown up for minus seven or something. So um, that's it. He got he got uh, caught in the in the backfield a couple of times, which are potentially yeah. not uh, not on his fault. No. Um, but yeah, once once again we're moving into week three and signing players off the street of running back. Yeah. As well, we Marlon Mack is true. He's he's perhaps a bit better than off the street, but still mm. we're we're still in that in that situation. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of it, Paul? Running back, merry go round. <laughs> uh, yeah, like like Nadji said, I would have liked to see Jordan Mason come in in different circumstances. I always like listening to Nadji because obviously his position of choice at the moment is running back. And you're right, Nadji, there was something I was looking out for on Sunday and it was that extra burst from Jeff Wilson. You were right, you seemed to trust the assignment. Yeah. And what I liked, Gareth, was the interior offensive line come under a lot of stick last week against the Bears. And Nadji hit the nail on the head, I think, uh, Banks. Brendel and I think Burford had better games and mm. the I've just looked up there Nadji Samuels was at 51 yard run 51 and like you said it just we were all willing him to go on but uh, <laughs> I think I think I look at the stats there Gareth before we move on I think Jeff Wilson they had 18 rushes for 84 yards two receptions for 19 yards it was very respectable I think it was what we needed and it, it helped keep mm. the defense honest and you're right Nadji I'm tempering my expectations because this is a poor Seahawks team. Yeah. Uh, I've had I've had messages off Seahawks fans who have said I've still enjoyed the victory, but overall, Gareth, I thought the run game was quite good. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. M- much improved, um, and like you say, it's uh, up against perhaps not not one of the league's best defenses. Um, but there's going to be a test next week at the Broncos, followed by another one the week after. Um, so maybe we'll get an idea of of how these guys are bedding in, particularly on the O line and and whoever we might have taking the handoffs from Jimmy in the backfield. Yeah, uh, I think something something I was going to mention on the offense was the. Our poor red zone efficiency. We started the game with two long drives and, and settled for field goals each time. Um, and obviously the blocked field goal, again, was another opportunity where we shouldn't have perhaps been kicking the field goal there. We should have punched it in. We've had a first and goal, I think, in all three of those situations. Run the ball every time uh, and suddenly just don't seem to be able to get any yards. Um, what's what's going wrong 
in the red zone, Nagy, uh, or or Kyle's play calling more widely than just the red zone. Yeah, I think I think that it just again nails on the head here. It's just uh, it it goes down to Kyle. We just become so predictable, um, especially when we lose Trey and you have to perhaps play with a playbook that's a a year old and b not quite refined. And not as deep as it should be because Jimmy hasn't practiced. But yeah, again, it it comes down to sometimes Kyle not, you know, doing, just doing what he always does. And people know about it and know how to defend it. Scoring in the red zone is actually a lot harder than people think. You'd think getting a yard is easy, but when the field is that condensed and, you know, all the safeties and the corners don't have to defend probably about 50 yards of, of field, they, you can be a lot more aggressive and, you know, the space up front gets a lot tighter and it's a lot harder to get that extra yard um, because most of the time you're going to run, right? And we saw it on the juice touchdown. Um, it had to be pushed in and it tried again and there was nowhere to go. But this is what I'm getting on. He tried again. Why would you try to run a fullback counter again? Because you've done it once. It worked. Put it in your back pocket and choose another play. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you watch him like the Chargers or the Chiefs. And they always surprise you on the goal line. They, this, it's always something like, oh, well, it, it was wide open. How did that happen? It's always not that creative. It's very simple plays. But they seem to find a way to either confuse defenses or get their best matchup. Or, and we just don't do that. We just run the plays that we run and people know how to defend them. So, yeah, it's a bit of a concern, especially the last year. We were the best team in the red zone uh, with a 60% efficiency or something like that. But what it does is it keeps games closed and you don't put it away you know it's the same as against the bears if we go at the bears and it's 14 to nothing and a half the game's over if we go here today um, on sunday and it's you know it should have been 21 nothing and a half the game's over uh, instead of that you get back and then maybe you throw a pick and it's just momentum shift and then the game goes away from you uh, it is definitely something we're gonna have to uh, to work on and get better at. Paul, anything to add what was strange gareth Nadji is exactly right the, it was and yourself. You said there it was when we we moved the ball quite well marching up the field. Um, you look at the stats, you look at the splits, but it was in the red zone. Um, like we made the game look so easy, Nadji. And you always say, you know, control the ball, control the clock. And I was quite surprised to see that we actually um, we passed for 184 yards, an average of 7.7 yards per attempt. But when we ran the ball, we ran the ball 45 times for 189 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. But when you went about that, you mentioned it, Gareth. Point Seahawks scored. That came from Brendel and the red zone missing the snap. Mm-hmm. Then he had to fall on the ball. And then the next play, the block hit. And I'm not going to lie. I, for a split second, I thought, oh, here we go again. Because they did the, um, the the punt return last year. Sorry, no, the fake punt last year. And they yeah. scored. And, but other than that, I, 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 it's, it's frustrating. Because as 49ers fans, I think you'll both agree. Kyle seems so stubborn. He has his scripted players. He has a way that he wants to manage the game. And you're right, Nadji, considering he's got this reputation as an offensive guru, sometimes we don't have that kind of like extra trick or that extra play. I mean, I was watching the Bills game the yeah. night and Josh Allen was, you know, running around and then he just he made it look so effortlessly. Nadji's other man crush, Gareth, Justin Herbert, the Chargers. So I would like to see Kyle do something a little bit more, ad- mm. more adventurous in the red zone. Yeah, I think obviously the Trey Lance injury may have affected things, but you can't help feeling. I think you you mentioned the Bills and you watched the Bills absolutely put away the Titans with touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. That's what we should have done to a team like the Seahawks. 
but when you get the field goals and suddenly you get a bit too comfortable and you let them hang around, they get that special teams touchdown. I have that sinking feeling that we've seen against the Seahawks before, that suddenly there'll be a, a fumble or a tip pass mm-hmm. intercepted. Um, and before you know it, it's a six-point game. And, and you're thinking, how on earth are we not, you know, miles ahead? And I think that's that's been those that early play calling where we've moved the ball well and come away with a 30-yard a, a field goal again. Um, I can't help thinking we, if unless we address that, that's going to come back and bite us against the better teams in the division or or in the league, including games that we should win. If we don't get those points early when we're doing well, as we we saw against the Bears, uh, eventually your opponents will get a bit of luck. They will get a bit of momentum. It always happens in a game. Uh, And we've got to be better at burying these guys who who we should bury, like the Seahawks. So speaking of a monstrous display from the defence and only one penalty and that one was potentially somewhat soft. Uh, a much improved performance from week one against the Bears. Uh, I mean, really, where could we start? Paul, take your pick. Well, I mean, let's, where do we start, Najee? Nine total QB hits, five tackles for a loss, yep. two sacks in total, tell the story. And my new man, Crush Gareth, I got 97 for my birthday. Nick Bosa continued to dominate. He had the two sacks, he had five QB hits, and he just looked absolutely awesome. I mean... Most people get into this game and they love the offensive side of the ball, but you can't help but fall in love with our defence. And I, I know personally, I, they just had it under control, Gareth. I, I did like that after the game, Kyle Shanahan, tongue-in-cheek, came to the press conference and said he bollocked the defence because they let seven points in. And the defence were like, hang on, we weren't on the field when they scored those seven points. So, um, obviously, there's other people on the defence. So, yeah, Nick Bosa for me. Was there anyone who stood out for you, Nadji? I'm scratching my head thinking I can't think of someone. Are you talking about Drake Jackson? Yeah, he had a good game, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, w- I want to talk, before we talk about the best player in the league right now, um, I want to talk about the D-line some more. Because I, I, as much as I think Bosa is, is just different, is complete he's amazing i think he's better than his brother you know i think drake jackson had a really good game um i thought armstead had a really good game or many who again better than he what, i can't remember what we paid for him a fifth round pick or something um absolutely amazing givens finally got in a little bit as well um and it, yesterday showed for the first time you know the power of that d-line and the, the rotation and the fact that the four guys down, down in front are always fresh and already res- relentlessly rushing you know ebukam again got you know the d-line just completely dominating their run game they couldn't do anything um and as you said they didn't score any points and i think obviously it starts up front um gareth do you want to talk a little bit about d-line do you, you see anything else that no really i think it's it's you, you want to call out some players for a good performance and you end up listing the entire d-line i thought yeah certainly uh a menace who always just seems to me he's always a menace he's not quite getting there on the stats but the fact he's just got to be accounted for is is just providing space for the others. And it's the D-line, it's it's what we were promised, that the fact that there would just be so much for an offensive line to handle that Bosa would get through, then it will be Ebercam, then it will be Armstead. Um, and, and hopefully we're going to continue seeing it. But I, I was impressed with how strong, again, they finished the game, that rotation, the fact that it's just relentless. When that offence knows when it goes on the field, it's going to have to face that every single snap. Uh, and I thought uh, did a good job stuffing up the one game um, as well. I think 
potentially, of course, you stop the one game, you force uh, force it into Gino's hands, um, and you see the real Gino Smith stand up. So, yeah, great performance. You, you've contained yourself for long enough now, uh, Nadji. Um, all I mean, pro half? Yeah, what can you say about the guy? He's everywhere. Everywhere you look, no matter what play it is, it's a run play or a pass play, it's on the left or on the right, in the middle. He's, he's there making a tackle on tipping the ball for his mate to intercept it. He should have had another pick that he, the defender actually, I think it was Tyler Lockett, kind of jolt all over his hand. Uh, I mean, you know, his PFF grade just says enough. He's 90.7 or something like that, which is completely unreal. Um, yeah, he's just he's just the best player in the league right now. I, there's nobody player than as well as he is over the, the next two, the last two games. He's just he seemed to have become the heartbeat of our defense, which and we can talk about it in a little bit better. I think Fred has taken a bit of a step back from it, and he's he's jumped into that role and he's blitzing and. Effectively as well, it's not just blitzing and almost getting there. It's blitzing and making tackles, or getting in the face of the QB to rush a throw or something. I mean, he's just yeah, he's awesome. And I will say again, my hatred and I'm putting hair quotes here for people that listen of Jimmy Ward stems from because I know what a safety, a good safety can do, and it's exactly that kind of play. You know, over the last two games, he's had already more turnovers than Jimmy Ward had over the last six years. Uh, which is completely insane. And this is where, again, hatred in in a hair court, I, I don't hate the guy, uh, comes from. I just For me, a safety was always going to be that kind of player, the guy that can be everywhere, influence the play, and has to be accounted for by the quarterback. He has to check where Hufanga is, because if I throw his way, I'm in trouble. Um, and it's just nice to see that anytime, uh, anywhere where the ball is on the field, you know that it is possible that Ufanga is going to blow it up, fumble, peg, something. Uh, and we like this in the backhand for the last, uh, I can't even remember the last time we had. Eric Reid might have been close to something like that, but never really ascended to that level. But yeah, it's just it's just so nice to be able to rely on a difference maker. And uh, that's that's where he is. And I hope he can continue and, you know, offenses adjust to him being there still have an impact, which is a lot, obviously a lot harder when people, good good offensive coordinators keep you out. You still have to try and be good, which is which is when great are separated from the greatest. So let's hope he can do that. Um, I thought the, the whole secondary played really well. Uh, Mooney, Mooney Ward played really well. The pick, I mean, the pick was very easy, but he read it really well. He could have bitten on it and it would have been a different story. Emmanuel Mosley versus DK Metcalf was pretty impressive. As you said, uh, that PI was very soft. I think they felt a bit sorry for him on the play before when he did that one-ended catch, which was pretty impressive, but got a, a penalty on it. But, uh, uh, you know, and then obviously Gibson uh, starting instead of Odom and, and getting the pick of the deflection. I thought they all played really, really well because um, basically the, the two weapons the Seahawks has were TK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and they didn't really do much. Mm. So, yeah. Paul, you on the uh, half train? Gotta be. Well, I was on the half train, Gareth, in Leeds because I got to watch (laughs) the game with Nadji and Nadji's more knowledgeable than me. But one of the biggest question marks for coming into the season, gents, we all said it, was whether the safeties would hold up in coverage. And Nadji had obviously talked about Huff. He is the real deal. He passes the eye test, which is something you just talked about, Gareth, there with uh, Charlie. Sometimes it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. But you just look, two interceptions... Five passes defended, like you said. I mean, the Hufanga there, and when you look at the stats, I mean, he had six tackles, two passes defended, a tackle for a loss, and he was just everywhere. Like you said, your hatred for Jimmy Ward is kind of tongue-in-cheek, like you've said, but you put Hufanga in there, 
And you are right, you're saying he's a playmaker. And I just think, Gareth, that a few people coming into the season had question marks. And you'd like to think this boy is answering them. And I think number 29 could mm. be as popular as number 26 in jerseys. I've seen a few people mention yeah. Yeah. that they're getting 29. Mm. So yeah, why not, eh? Are you on the Huff train, Gareth? Or is this where you come in and say, Nadji's wrong and Huff's <laughs> no good? <laughs> Absolutely. I've been hugely impressed with the two games so far this season. Uh, undoubtedly, he has been um, our our best player over those two games. Um, I, did, I wasn't disappointed with his first season, but I, uh, I must admit I didn't have him pegged to make quite the step up um, that he has in these two games uh, because I thought there was parts of his game that could be improved. Um, and he's clearly been a busy boy over the summer um, because, yeah, uh, uh, yeah you, you can't watch those two performances and have any any concern about him. Uh, the, the secondary as a whole, I thought, as you said, Lockett and, and Metcalf now tucked into the pockets of uh, uh, Eman and Mooney. So uh, great performance from them. I mean, c- combine that with the D-line. And again, linebackers Greenlaw uh, acquitted himself well after what I felt was a, an undisciplined and a bit scatty performance um, against the Bears. Uh, he, he backed it up by by focusing yeah. that aggression uh, and they made some good plays, made some great open field tackles, um, as did as did Mosley. I think um, we just looked absolutely solid. We looked like a team that shouldn't have given away any offensive points. Um, and we didn't, yeah. which which was one of my early season predictions. So only two, oh, was it? Only two oh, more yeah. offensive shutouts to go. Um, and we'll be there. Let's go. <laughs> nice. Uh, anything more we can say on the on the game? Yeah, I want to talk about Fred. I'm I'm a bit concerned. He's he's. I don't know what's going on with him. He's he's a step behind on you everything. You dumped him for half. He's upset. He's probably upset. Yeah, I understand. Um, is he just making people better around him, and we don't really see? I, I haven't watched enough tape to be to make that kind of call yet. But it seems to not be the guy anymore. And he was like that when he signed his new contract a couple of years ago. And I'm just, I don't know, it might just be two games and he's getting, he's ramping up to it. But I'm a bit concerned. I uh, I want to see more from him. Because if we can have Huff and Mooney Ward and Eman locking down, and we can have both on the level days and the rest of the D-line being at the level there they are, and Dre doing that kind of thing that he can do. And Al-Shair being the, the, the guy you can rely on as well. If Fred can be this, you know, all pro level, um, our defense is going to be number one defense in the league uh, by far. But it's going to take him to be at that level for it. And I'm concerned that it, it, it could be a, an area people could attack if everywhere else is a little bit too strong for them. So um, uh, it's a wake-up call for, for Fred. Uh, if you're listening, Fred, come on, give us a good game against uh, against Russell Wilson and I'll, I'll eat my words. Any final thoughts on the uh, Seahawks beatdown? Yeah, I'm going to call it a beatdown. Yeah, um, I think you mentioned there. It should have been more. We should have won this game 49-7. to um, But once again, I think the, the play calling and not taking a risk and trying to churn the clock out um, I was talking to Neil during the game and I said, when we come out of the half, throw a bomb downfield, just do it. And if we score, this game is going to get out of hand and we, we, we need to put 50 points on this and, and make a statement on this team. Good teams beat bad teams in the NFL, especially when you know, you're, at, you're supposed to be at the top and they're supposed to be at the bottom. When it's in the middle, it's always a bit muddy and you get games like, you know, the Jets and the Browns and that kind of stuff that can go either way at any point. But as you, as you mentioned, the Bills and the Titans, I think, are a two-hand of a spectrum right now. And it just shows good teams beat bad teams. 
Um, and I think this should have been a bit more decisive. I'm going to put this again on the tray injury and the fact that we had to pick up ourselves and have a QB that wasn't probably ready yet. But it should have been a lot more comfortable. As you said, at one point, there was this maybe five, ten minutes period in the third quarter. Where we all think, I think we all thought, uh, thinking, oh, if they go down the field here and score and it's 14 to 20, we might be in trouble. And we should have never been in that position ever. Uh, and that's two games in a row now, and we lost one of those, so um, can't have many more of those. We need to put games away. Let's have easy Sundays, people. Easy Sundays. Last thoughts, Paul? We have to give a special shout-out to Mitch Wisnowski. Oh. Yes, I've been practising. Yes. He celebrated his new extension, Gareth, with that punt that hung long in the air for Tyler Lockett to fumble, and it was great to see. Because yeah. obviously we talked about special teams last year, Final four, I might be going bold, but I think this defence is special and it's better than the 2019 defence. Um, just, I know it's the Seahawks and like I said at the start, they were, they were my nemesis, Gareth, but I really enjoyed this one. And just before we finish up, obviously our prayers and thoughts got a trail on yeah. I know we, we didn't say that at the start. Um, I have been quite grateful, Gareth, within the group. I think all of us were a bit nervous that you said, you know, Sunday, Monday was going to be very hot potato political on the group, but I think everyone's taken it in the right stride. We're behind the team. But yeah, I just want to wish Trailland to speedy recovery. And as you said, we move on to the Red Eye game, which we'll talk about in the next show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that yeah, there's no choice there. We all, we've all got to get behind Jimmy and join him on this roller coaster. come what may. I'm certainly hoping that it, Jimmy gets the fairy tale ending uh, and the redemption that the, uh, the NFL has almost written for him. So yeah, let's see if, see if that can happen. A um, little bit of a, a public service announcement. Uh, everyone was uh, pretty disappointed, but uh, there was obvious reasons why the uh, official 49er uh, faithful watch party in Leeds was cancelled. I'm sure all of you who attended uh, uh, made the most of it. Um, but uh, the, the the team was certainly keen, I think, to see whether the, a rescheduled date would be possible at all this year. Uh, Lee has put a post in the, in the Facebook group asking whether people might be available for for an official meetup. So if you could find that post. Maybe maybe one of us in the admin team can find out how to pin it. Um, we'll leave it there. We're, we're useful. It's useful uh, for us to to know what appetite there would be for uh, for a rescheduled game. We know people might have had to take time off work and travel and, and all that to go to the Leeds meeting. So we just wanted to have a gauge about whether people might be up for doing it again um, and getting what we what we hope to have seen at week one. So, yeah, do check out the post uh, and let us know your thoughts. And I think that's it. So thanks to everyone who listens to the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you might pick up your podcasts. And you can find our YouTube channel by searching for 49 Faithful UK. Next up, it's the Broncos. It's a late Sunday night game. It's Russell Wilson, uh, and I can't wait for it. Until then, go Niners. <laughs> go Niners. Feels great, baby. Bill